Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Thursday, August the 17th, 2023. And Dr. Tim is going to a family reunion today and tomorrow, so the pre-recorded shows today and tomorrow for him. Michael and I will be live at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And the one that he's picked out to play today is he and Michelle and Rachel uh, doing some processing. So enjoy. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Good afternoon. This is uh, Dr. Tim Hayes on Mind Shifters Radio. And I'm here to help first iron out some technological difficulties and then talk about the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are traveling today. They're, I think they said they're going to Costa Rica to check out a property for some kind of doing some workshops and um, some other things. And I'm not sure what um, Michelle's area code is, but... I'm, I'm right here. Um, are you 248? Yes. Wonderful. So, Michelle Pache is with us, and um, you can keep trying, Michelle. It, it finally worked for me, so I have the switchboard up, and I could turn you on. Okay. Well, and, it's... Um, and I think it's possible it? for both of us to have the switchboard on at the same time, and then you could watch that, or we can just co-host as we're doing it now. Okay, well, I will I'll continue to work on it. I, um, 
I'm glad. Did um, we welcome everybody today to Mindshifter Radio and invite you to call in at 646-200-4169. Dr. Tim and I um, are here to help you process the learning and practice of forgiveness. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions and help support you in making this your show today. Did you have a nice dinner? Well, let's just talk about how today is Friday, November 29th. And let's talk about, while while you work on your technological stuff to see if you can get hooked into the switchboard, I will just do a brief intro of what our work is here. We're here for the tool of the ancient process of forgiveness. And what that's about is not pardoning someone. That's about reaching inside my mind and removing whatever is less than the energy of love that doesn't belong there. And most of us have been raised in a culture that has us conditioned to believe that things outside of us are causing what we're feeling inside of us. And nothing could be further from the truth. And this is ancient knowledge that cuts across many different cultures. It's not just Dr. Michael Rice, and he's got a corner on the market of truth, and it's not just Guy Finley is the only one who knows. It's not just Krishnamurti or Way of Mastery or Course in Miracles. The fact of the matter is it's here to be observed. What I think what I choose to focus my conscious awareness upon literally creates my experience of life in each moment. And my thoughts, if I pour enough energy into them, literally create the emotions I'm feeling. So if I understand, if I'm observing accurately and correctly what's happening in my life, I begin to see I'm the one who's initiating the mind energy of thought, and that's creating my experience in each moment. That's what is used to focus on tiny little bits of information that I then use to create my experience in each moment. And I have an example here of how this is not just related, this is not a an exclusive piece of knowledge for Dr. Rice's work or the ancient Aramaic scriptures. I have a preface from a book I'm going to read a little bit of. And the title of the book is Leadership and Self-Deception. The preface reads, For too long, the issue of self-deception has been the realm of deep-thinking philosophers, academics, and scholars working on the central questions of the human sciences. The public remains generally unaware of the issue. And that would be fine, except that self-deception is so pervasive that it touches every aspect of life, 
Touches is perhaps too gentle a word to describe its influence because self-deception actually determines one's experience in every aspect of life. The extent to which it does that, and in particular the extent to which it determines the nature of one's influence on and the experience of others, is the subject of this book. To give you an idea of what's at stake, consider the following analogy. An infant is learning how to crawl. She begins by pushing herself backward around the house. Backing herself around, she gets lodged beneath the furniture. There she thrashes about, crying and banging her little head against the sides and the undersides of the piece of furniture. She's stuck, and she hates it. So she does the only thing she can think of to get herself out. She pushes even harder, which only worsens her problem. She's more stuck than ever. If this infant could talk, she would blame the furniture for her troubles. After all, she's doing everything she can think of, so the problem couldn't be hers. But, of course, the problem is hers, even though she can't see it. While it's true she's doing everything she can think of, the problem is precisely that she can't see how she is the problem. Having the problem she has Nothing she can think of will be a solution. Self-deception is like this. It blinds us to the true causes of problems. And once we're blind, all the, quote, solutions, unquote, we can think of will actually make things worse. So that's the, the beginning of exactly what we're talking about here with the ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness. Most of us in this culture have been taught to think our pain, our sadness, our fear, our hurt, our offense, our insult are being caused by the outside world and by other people saying or doing things that we don't like, that we don't want them to do, that are bad, that are wrong, doing things to us. And the actual fact of the matter is I am creating my own experience in each moment with what I choose to focus my attention upon. Now, Dr. Michael Rice likes to talk about some Harvard research where they, they cite research that says, in the period of time that 10,000 units of electrical activity fire in my brain, I'm only able to be aware of nine, that's zero, nine, one short of 10, not 10,000, not 9,000, nine single bits of information, while my brain is processing 10,000. And in that same period of time, it's estimated that there are 20 trillion bits of information available in the world around me. Another way to think about that is that in some form or another, there are probably 20 trillion bits of information hitting my 
senses, you know, coming into my physical awareness in my senses. So someone just sent me an email from an article in the Huffington Post where it says, the human brain takes in 11 million bits of information every second, but is aware of only 40, four zero. So we are living in a world that is an energy field within an energy field within an energy field within an energy field. And the antenna that we have to use to interpret, to receive that information and interpret it, simply cannot keep up with or receive wide ranges of the energy vibrations that are there. And so we make approximations based on what we are able to pull in through these antennae that we call the eyes and the ears and the hands and the skin and the taste buds, and we make a guess about what life really is like. And every time we make a guess about what life really is like, and it leaves us feeling some form of anger or fear or sadness or hurt, that's the creator's way of giving us an alarm system to let us know we're making a mistake. We've chosen the wrong 40 bits of information when our brain was processing 11 million bits of information. In this moment, in this instant, I've chosen the wrong nine bits of information to create my reality. And when I do that, I'm tapping into energies that I'm creating that are leaving me feeling anger, fear, sadness, hurt, frustration. And if I keep looking outside of myself for a solution to that, I will be doomed to prison within my own senses, within my own thought pattern, for as long as I keep looking outside of me. The ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness is about how to wake up to the alarm that's going off inside of me and turn the focus of my attention away from the things outside of me onto what's going on inside of me, apply the tool of forgiveness, which means to cancel and dismantle the energies that don't belong there to cancel and dismantle the inappropriate estimations and guesses I've made of what's really happening in the world and return the focus of my attention to my true nature, which is that energy of creation. Some have called it love. Some have called it God. Some have called it spirit. But it's energy and it's Flowing, and it wants to grow, it wants to feel expansion, it wants to be creative, it wants to be loving, it wants to be compassionate. And anything that's less than that within my experience is something for me to dismantle. So that's what we're here to talk about, the tool for that which has been made available to us at this time is through Dr. Michael Rice's work and the Ancient Aramaic Kabur's manuscript, and it can be found for free at www.whyagain.org. And if you go to that website,
click on the link that says start here or click on the red and white bullseye in the center of the page. It will take you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Bryce's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? You can download the most recent version of the seven-step worksheet process, and you can download, and you are strongly encouraged to download and listen to six audio files where Dr. Rice and or Jeannie walk someone through the process of forgiveness with the Reality Management Worksheet tool. And if you do that, you'll have more, far more than you need to become a student and eventually by becoming a perpetually avid student of this work, a master of using the tool of forgiveness on yourself, in your own energy system, around the issues in your life which leave you feeling anger, fear, sadness, pain, hurt, frustration, or guilt, all of which are useful alarms to tell you that the focus of your conscious and energy of awareness is off the mark. So I'll take a breath and ask Michelle if there's anybody with a hand up or any questions in the chat room. Thanks, Tim. Um, nobody is in the chat room quite yet, and um, got several people listening, but nobody with their hand up right now. All right. Um, so how was your holiday weekend or the beginning of it yesterday? It was um, quite lovely. I... Um, my husband and I uh, spent the day with our five kids and listened to the show and cooked, had dinner, and, and then um, the evening activity was watching home videos from when we first got together 11 years ago. ago. And um, the youngest was still in diapers, and so the, all the little kids... Um, all the little videos. I mean, it was interesting because now they're all teenagers. And so it was quite a hoot seeing their personalities in the home videos. And then as they are um, pretty much adults now. <laughs> and uh, so everyone got a kick out of it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It sounds like a delightful time. Yeah, but, um, the, um, the weekend, those, uh, more, more Thanksgiving parties, some. Um, different sides of the family, so I'm looking forward to it, just having it unfolded. I'm actually working today, though. Um, I came to the office to pick up, um, you know, catch up with some clients that I had to miss from being in Florida last week. So um, as um, the universe designed, I've actually got Rachel here with me, who I'm introducing to the work. She is a very intelligent 70-year-old woman, and um, we discuss the concepts that Michael Rice discussed, and I invited her, with her permission, um, to share a little bit because um, she has some skepticism about some of the things um, I'm actually presenting to her, and I thought it would be maybe helpful to hear it um, from a different perspective. I um, brought some images up today of little babies, little newborn babies, um, to, to help her get into that space, um, but but um, maybe she can language it herself. She actually um, does radio show herself, so she's pretty comfortable with this format. Um, hi, I'm Rachel. Uh, yeah, the I guess my biggest problem is the idea that you can get back to that place. 
of when you were a child, when you were a baby of the, you know, the pure happiness or the pure love. And um, it's just like I, I have difficulty with comprehending the idea that you could erase everything that has shaped you, like all the pain and the heartbreak and, um, you know, uh, the negative things that have happened to you. It's kind of, um, it's just hard to think that uh, you could ever get back to such a pure, a pure way of looking at the world, I guess. All right. So uh, your first name again is? Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Well, that's an excellent question, and uh, there are probably a variety of different answers for it. My suggestion would be that you not try to do any of that and that you simply pick up the tool and apply it one situation at a time and see the results for yourself. I mean, skepticism is a wonderful thing. Um, I think yesterday on the show, Michael even said something like, uh, or maybe it, this is a Guy Finley. Yeah. Guy Finley has a, a talk where he said, um, we, there's a Stevie Wonder song where he says, when you believe in things that you don't understand and you suffer. So we're advocating that people drop the belief systems, whatever they are, and come to live more very directly in the moment using direct observation. So I don't want to try and convince you of anything. I just want to suggest that you pick up the tool and apply it to a situation. Now, in talking about the rest of your statement or a question, I would offer that we don't erase our past experiences. We don't change our history and when I work with people I'm very careful to say we're not going digging through your history looking for all the pain but if there's something that you're trying to do today something that you would like to have be different and in the process of dismantling that it leads us to an energy that you have stored a belief system that you're holding on to from a past interaction and the thoughts around that belief keep generating anger or fear or sadness or hurt, then let's get to work on figuring those out and dismantling them one by one. This doesn't change your past. You will still have a memory of the events. But when this is done effectively, those events become neutral. And the pain I have attached to a memory, the emotional pain, the fear, the sadness, the hurt, can be dismantled, and I can still be in full possession of the memory and the lessons that I can derive from having had that experience. But this isn't about changing my past. This is simply about changing the thought energy that I keep generating around those past events and the negative emotions that I keep generating without realizing that it's me generating them. So does that make any sense? 
Yes, it does. What would be an ideal situation to start with uh, using the tools? Like you said, you know, start with one situation. Like what's an example of uh, a good starting place? Any negative emotion I'm having in the moment or any recurring thought that, that leaves me feeling unsettled or unhappy or sad or scared or hurt. You know, recently on the show I talked about how when I first got introdu- introduced to the tools, I, I would um, have something that would um, occur and my response to it would be either anger or sadness or fear in the moment. And I would know, oh, this is a good thing. I should go do a worksheet on this. And in the past few weeks I've had several situations happen where as the event is unfolding, I'm feeling very calm, very centered, feeling like I'm I have a balance with my emotions and my logic and and the situation resolves itself and then two or three or five or twenty eight hours later I'm still thinking of it. And I don't I'm not aware of a negative emotion, but if I'm still thinking of it twenty eight hours later, it's probably a good target for a few worksheets. What that what that has I've learned is that that means I'm hiding from myself the negative thoughts and the emotions attached to it. So it could be anything from somebody doesn't show up for an appointment to somebody questions something I just said on the radio show to um, my son getting into serious trouble with the law. Any, Any situation that I then use to generate negative thoughts and emotions is a wonderful target for a worksheet or a whole series of them. And I have lots of personal individual examples, but there are six on the website that you can download. And I'm sure that if you're working with Michelle, you can just talk about any current situation in your life that has you feeling less than love and start right there. Well, you know, it's it's funny. We um we did a worksheet in in session and explained it to her and um had her had her take one home and test it out and um the next week she's like, What else you got? <laughs> as far as the tools. And so, um and I'm 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 saying this with her permission. Um and uh so I gave her a mind shifter. Actually, I let her um, her spirit pick the numbers, and we got the affirmation down, and, and she went home to journal. She liked that idea, kind of like uh, you said, uh, a structured journaling. And I don't know, it was like 20 minutes into it, you said? Like that, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like uh, 20 or 30 minutes into it, and it was just, it was, a little too rough, it, like, you know, it cut open a wound or whatever. And then something happened the next day with my father that kind of poured salt in the wound, and I just, I couldn't take it. So I actually almost went to the hospital because of how overwhelming it was. Like, I think, I think in the end, obviously, I believe that it was a good experience overall. I think it was good to, you know, show strength and um really find out what's going on but how deep that the mind shifter can really 
get into your own mind, it's uh, it's overwhelming <laughs> at times. It's all right. Difficult. So what you're talking about is is a perfect set of targets for the worksheet process. These wounds and the salt that gets poured in the wounds. Listen to your language. There's a part of you that believes that something outside of you deeply hurt you from these past interactions, and you're carrying them around and reactivating those thoughts, which is reactivating the emotions and the the experience of pain. And this work would have you tune into the idea that that pain, the anger, the fear, the sadness, the hurt, the wound you're talking about, the salt being poured in the wound, is an alarm system to help you see, oh, my thoughts are off target. Here I am sitting in a climate-controlled room with a a therapist who's trying to be supportive, and I'm experiencing anger, fear, sadness, hurt, whatever it is. How am I creating that? Well, let me look inside myself for a change instead of focusing on things outside of me or things from my past, and let me dismantle what I'm using within my own thought to generate this alarm that's going off. So whatever goals you had for people in that mind shifter that they weren't satisfying, that would be a wonderful place to start a worksheet. Identify the goal that you had for your father or identify the goal that you had for your mother or whoever else was in that material that you were pouring out on the page in your mind shifter. And you can start that worksheet process at any level. So maybe you just become aware of a goal I had for my dad and you write the goal in and then you back up and fill in, oh, this was about my dad and this is what was happening and this is the thought I have and this is the emotion. And So that would be an answer to your question. That would be a, a wonderful place to start the reality management worksheet process, the material that got stirred up in your mind shifter. And using the worksheet will eventually allow me to let go of the anger and of the, um, um, I suppose, maybe a little betrayal of, you know, uh, not living up to the expectations that I have, you know, and to forgive all of that pain and forgive the people who I believe caused it, even though, you know, like you said, it it started within myself. Well, Let me just say that you could allow yourself to let go anytime you choose. There's no force outside of you that's forcing you to hold on to the thoughts and emotions that are generating this pain within you. You do have, and this is something that you can observe for yourself with a little practice, you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each moment. So as I listened to your language and you were asking me if if using the worksheet would allow you to do something, I'm here to tell you that all the great spiritual traditions I've ever read about recognize this one truth. You allow yourself. You choose. You have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness. So if you wanted to allow yourself 
to let go of this, you could at any moment, whether there's a worksheet process involved or not. Now, you may not know how, and the worksheet process may be able to show you. You may be like most of us who are stuck in the conscious, logical mind, conditioned to think we've got to think our way through this. But as Einstein said, we've been given a precious gift and a faithful servant, but we live in a culture that has forgotten the gift and elevated the servant to the level of master. Now, the precious gift he was referring to is intuition. And the faithful servant he was referring to is the logical mind. So every worksheet, or most of them, different versions of them, have hit this in different levels. But the current worksheet spells it out very clearly when it says, my mind is using sustained incoherence. And what that means is, I'm thinking my way into a situation where I feel anger or fear or sadness, and I'm using my thoughts to create that pain, and then I decide I'm going to think my way out of it. But it's my thoughts that are creating my own emotions. So I'm not going to think my way out of it. And every worksheet process has me canceling my need to be right, canceling my need for anyone or anything else outside of me to change, specifically canceling the goal I'm holding in this individual worksheet and asking for help from some higher level of awareness or energy to be shown the hidden part of my mind that's actually creating my pain. So the worksheet will not allow you, but the worksheet is a tool that you could choose to pick up and use and do the work. You can allow yourself at any moment to reconnect your conscious awareness to your true nature as love and breathe and feel that energy flowing through you, the energy that's keeping your heart pumping and your food digesting and your lungs breathing without you having to think about it at all. Are you breathing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um What you said makes a lot of sense. Uh, I feel like at times I am allow my, I can allow myself to, you know, connect and really feel. uh, Michelle was there at one time when I was feeling good and I felt, you know, connected to the universe or whatever. But it's like, um, it's like a faulty wire, you know. I guess it takes maintenance and you gotta, gotta keep taping it up and, uh, just their struggle. <laughs> it's difficult to uh, maintain it and to um, keep well, yourself. Well, let me suggest that it isn't so much a faulty wire as it is decades of conditioning in my life and the energetic impressions I received from thousands of generations in my bloodline. So my job is to develop a part of my mind that watches, observes myself observes my thought process and my habit and my conditioning and stays alert to the times when I fall back into the old conditioning and then without judging myself, without beating myself up, simply takes a breath and chooses anew in that moment to cancel the goal, 
to drop the conditioned reflex, to, to observe myself from an impartial, loving, accepting position. There's a there's a woman who is um, she's a Jewish Buddhist. Sylvia Borstein, I think, is her name, and I love the way she talks about it. Whenever she's feeling anger or fear or sadness, she puts her hand over her heart space and she says, Sylvia, dear, sweetheart, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths. We'll look at what's going on, and then we'll decide what to do. But for now, sweetheart, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths. We'll look at what's going on, and then we'll decide what to do. So I think it's important that we learn to be more gentle with ourselves and we realize we're not broken, we're not damaged. We may have some old habits and some conditioning running us, But with awareness and with some tools, we can drop the old patterns and learn some new skills to apply and dismantle the energy and the belief and the thoughts that say we are less than love because they are all in error. I got an email from somebody earlier in the week that said, Some work I did recently brought me to a new level. She said, I've struggled with the Dr. Rice worksheets for years. One of the hang-ups for me was, quote, releasing my need to be right, unquote. I didn't get it until yesterday. Consequently, I did five worksheets this morning with more meaning and understanding than ever. So if you're struggling with the worksheet process, you're probably like most of us who are trying to make sense of things through the logical mind and through the conditioning of years, if not decades, that say we have to think our way out of it and that other people are causing what we're feeling. And my best recommendation for you is don't believe a thing I'm saying. Try it. Try it for yourself. And congratulations to you for picking up that mind shifter tool and using it to uncover some of the hidden parts of your mind that are generating what sounds like a significant amount of pain. You talked about wounds and salt in wounds and feeling so intensely overwhelmed that you almost went to the hospital. That's fabulous that you would let yourself uncover what you've been doing to yourself all these years, and then open the possibility in that same moment that you can dismantle some of it. Congratulations. Dr. Tim, I definitely um, second that. I've been telling Rachel for as long as I've known her how amazing she is, and um, the opportunity that presented itself today in terms of her willingness to... um, come on the show and and discuss it openly with you and and, uh, take another look at things is um, 
is very inspiring. She um, was encouraged to use the commitment to myself tool, and um, she she struggled with it. <laughs> Put me on the spot, huh? Um, yeah, I just it's difficult when you uh, see yourself as nothing but hate and see yourself as something awful and something that. Well, I, I have to correct you there because I don't see myself as nothing but hate and something that's awful. Do you know somebody okay. who does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this girl, her name's Rachel. Uh, <laughs> but, no, um, when I see myself as something, as, you know, um, staying on, like, uh, you look around the world and if you Wait actually a minute. go out and picture. Who, who's looking around the world? I, when I look around the world and I am in nature and I look at it and, you know, I see how beautiful it is and how perfectly at peace everything is. And then I see myself as something that shouldn't belong, that doesn't belong. So well, I would love to support you in dismantling that view of yourself. And I want to encourage you to take some deep breaths and realize that any time you see anyone or anything and you believe you're experiencing them as beautiful or wonderful or creative or intelligent or loving, that the old schoolyard admonition is absolutely true. It takes one to know one. And in that moment, when you're seeing nature and you're seeing it as beautiful, the only way you could see or recognize its beauty is if it was resonating that same beautiful energy within you. It can't happen otherwise. Are you breathing? Yes. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> uh, yes, like, that's the thing. Um, well, let me just encourage you to breathe for a moment rather than talk about how that's the thing. Just breathe for a minute and think about <laughs> last time you were in nature and you felt it was just gorgeous. And just resonate a little bit with some of the words I've just shared. And notice what comes up for you. What do you notice? Um, I suppose somewhat... Uh, recognition of the truth of your words. Um, it definitely makes sense, you know, what you were saying about uh, you can only see it if it's also within yourself. So I would encourage you the next time you're around someone or something in nature that you see as desirable or pleasant or intelligent or lovely or beautiful, 
And if at that time the thoughts come up within yourself that you were mentioning before, that you're less than that, think about what goal you're holding for yourself in that moment and just take a chance on canceling that goal and ask to be shown the hidden part of your mind that's actually holding the pain that you're experiencing in that moment or that's being generated by that thought. Thank you. I I really appreciate um, uh, your wisdom and the fact that you shared it with me. Okay, well, you're entirely welcome, and I would just remind you that my wisdom is limited to the idea that I'm learning to live more by direct observation and apply some tools. So please don't believe what we're saying. Pick up the tools and try it. Belief is literally a prison. So choose love, choose freedom, choose to apply the tools. And it seems like you're like many of the rest of us, with the possible exception that you've got more willingness and courage than most, and you're carrying around lots of negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself, and I would love to be able to support you, and I know Michael and Jeannie would, and I know Michelle would, in dismantling all of those negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself and any traumatic energies that might you might be carrying around in your energy system that that are just blocking your ability to see your true your true nature. Thank you so much, Dr. Tim. Rachel doesn't know there's a love exchange in her future, but we'll get to that. <laughs> she's, she's declined that opportunity, but um, we'll, we'll, I will continue to ask. So thank you. Listen, um, we've got Richard with his hand up, so why don't we say hi and see what's going on in New York. Hi, Dr. Tim. How are you guys? Hey, happy Thanksgiving, Richard. Hi. Good. I'm actually diving, but I just wanted to uh, jut in here and say how wonderful this conversation. I've been listening to it for about a half an hour, and I just wanted to say how great the conversation is and uh, what's been going on, uh, the conversation between you two, and I really appreciate that. I think it's a great, one, of the, one of the great talk shows that's uh, being recorded. Anyway, I uh, also wanted to mention to Dr. Tim, we talked talked about the incoherent energy in the first part of the worksheet. What really isn't talked about in the other half of the worksheet is the coherent energy, which is just the way I see things. Basically, that uh, you know, light energy is coming into the world. You know, the, the chlorophyll transforms it for our use, the animal's use. In the end, it's, it's light energy that's, that's building up in the, in the system, and 
life itself is basically coherent energy moving through the system. So in the end, the what 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 the life force is is really the coherent energy. It's, gener- it's activated to uh, create the life force. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there that we really don't discuss that much. It's not really pointed out in the uh, worksheet process. It's that coherent energy that we're really actually after building. And in the essence, it's the essence of love. So I just wanted to throw that little comment in there and uh, just say how wonderful today's show is. And uh, definitely have to mark that one and send out to a few of my friends. So thank you very much for that great show today. You're very welcome, Richard, and thank you. And, um, you know, there's there are several of Dr. Rice's talks where he taps into it, especially in the more recent talks, because he's still learning and we're all still learning. But scientists today will tell us that beginning with Einstein, when Einstein said, there is no such thing as matter. Everything is energy. What we've heretofore called matter is energy, energy which has been so slowed as to become perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. And since that time, scientists have developed greater sensitivity with their tools, and they've come to conclusions such as all matter is condensed light energy. And as they keep working with it, they're seeing more and more as they get into the quantum level of things that actually our mind energy has a tremendous impact, a creative impact on the light energy and on what gets slowed and what gets sped up and what gets perceived. And in a very real way, the goal of each worksheet is to remove from my conscious awareness and my unconscious mind and my energy field any energy which is less than that creative energy, that loving energy, that coherent energy that Richard is talking about. And as I do so, it changes my experience of life. So thank you, Richard. That's a wonderful point. Well. Okay, so Michelle, any other thoughts on um, you or Rachel? Any other people with their hand up? Um, I just had to mute Richard. Um, I actually want to comment on that. I'm reading a book right now called Advanced Studies of the Human Aura. The subtitle is How to Charge Your Energy Field with Light and Spiritual Radiance. And um, there's a paragraph here. It says, The aura of the great central sun contains all of the life-giving frequencies that sustain all created life at all levels of awareness, from the tiniest microorganisms to the most massive of suns and galaxies. Through divine intelligence, the great central sun is able to feed the specific frequencies required by each created being that are essential to its life, regulating what is able to be received and assimilated by that one. The great suns at the center of the various solar systems receive a much more powerful conveyance of divine light food in 
comparison with what the tiny creatures that exist deep within the earth are able to feed on. And um, it just goes on to say that, um, as some of you have discovered, when you refine your lives and learn the science of solar gazing, you will be amazed to realize that the cells of your being can actually be nourished more by the pure divine food of the sun's rays than by the diets that the dietitians of today teach. So and it's fascinating to me in terms of um, human evolution that um, we could be moving as, let's say, in doing the forgiveness work and raising your vibration and being able to um, become a solar being and kind of like I think maybe more closer to how we started before we came into a dense matter. So I just um, a thought that I wanted to share given um, what he said and, and some extracurricular, I can't say it, some extra reading I'm doing on the side. Yeah, that other kind of activity. Curricular. There we go. <laughs> so um, actually um, we've got about seven minutes left, and um, let's say hi to Sunny. Hi there. Hey, how are you? I am great, thank you. Um, I don't know if maybe this helps Rachel, but um, that whole Dr. Tim, like he's communicating today about figuring it out and all of that, for myself, it was just the little voice inside my head to just knock on the door and it shall be opened unto you. And um, a quote from another author is that we don't have to understand this stuff. We just have to be willing to allow it in. And when I reached the point for myself of just saying, okay, you know, Ruka, you have my full willingness. I fully submit. Then that's when things started to change for me. But I didn't have to be afraid. I was just willing and just allow it to come in, if that helps Rachel, because I could kind of hear, you know, kind of hear that in her responses to much of this. It's just, you have to be afraid. Just just fully submit to the willingness and that, yes, you want to know, you want to understand it, but just let it flow and it will come. That's how it occurred for me, and hopefully that helps her. And um, for time's sake, um, I was uh, texting some people, you know, in the uh, Facebook, and I noted that when I was referring or mentioning to my friend about the whyagain.org, it automatically brought up the logo for the website. And I just wanted to encourage, maybe share that with people, that if you're not communicating this through your Facebook friends, it's a really subtle way of referring others and spreading the word and the message that we do exist. <laughs> and kind of a nice little promotional way of, you know, maybe putting our own quotes and inspirations during this holiday season out to people and at the same time referring them to the radio show and the website. And I just noted that yesterday when I I found a couple of people that were kind of down in the dumps and I thought, well, here, while you're sitting all by yourself on the holiday, go to the website and see if that lifts you, you know. And I noticed that that prompt does come up. So that's kind of a nice way of gifting people um, and promoting and, and spreading this word and doing your own little ministry is that that prompt will pop up for people to um, access material that 
Otherwise, we may not be reaching. And that's about it. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank You're you very and welcome. have a wonderful weekend. I am looking forward to it, and God bless you. All right, Michelle, anybody else in the last five minutes with a question or a comment or a hand up? Nope, not right now. Um, chat room was very quiet today, and we don't have any other callers in queue, so actually if anybody's listening wants to pop in and say hi, um, we can do that here before we close out. Any last-minute comments or questions from Rachel? Um, no, not from me. I just I want to say thank you to the callers, um, Richard and Sunny. Uh, I hope it was Sunny, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it, it was quite interesting um, listening to you guys, and I really appreciate your views and um, helpfulness. So thank you. And thank you to um, Dr. Tom. Tim. Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm awful with names. Dr. Well, Tim. Well, no reason to apologize. We are um, greatly uh, appreciative of all the calls and questions, but it's an extra special treat to have somebody there with Michelle who's done some work and had some, you know, powerful questions. It's We keep encouraging people to ask your questions because if you have the question, it's everybody's question, and it's a it's a wonderful nudge to the show to get us to talk once again about the idea that we do not want you to believe what we're saying. We don't want you to be a follower. We don't want you to be um, belong to our group. We want you to try these things out and see if it improves your life. If it does, great, do more of it. If it doesn't, move on to some other school of thought or tool or way of meditation or prayer because it's it's your birthright, some would say. It's what you were meant to be on this planet is that energy of creation, to live from that space of love. How do we know that? Well, because that's how we start. And time after time, babies are born and the adults around them look at them and have that same feeling. And sometimes they're lucky enough to get stirred to the actual recognition and remembrance of when they felt that way. And that energy of creation, that energy of love, that energy of acceptance and gentleness and creativity is what we're made of. And we don't want you to believe it. We want you to just observe it. And if you're having difficulty observing that energy flow within yourself, one great way to do it is find a newborn child or find a, an infant that hasn't yet had the thumbprints of the world placed upon him or her and just breathe in that breath. Just sit with that light and let it awaken <laughs> Let it awaken memories within you. And then, once that memory's been awakened, if you have any difficulty sustaining that, 
pick up some tools to help you clear out the garbage in your mind and your body's energy system that keep you from tuning into that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in that process, work at having the best year yet of your eternal life. Thank you so much, Rachel and Michelle. Join us again next week. So that was a pre-recorded show. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifter. We don't need to hear the outro again. Okay, so that was um, a pre-recording from way back uh, because actually that's Carol Guy that was giving the intro and um, she hasn't been doing your intros for a long, long time. So that's um, an oldie but goodie and that was Michelle Pache and a young lady um, named Rachel and Dr. Tim so we hope you enjoyed that pre-recording and tomorrow is going to be another one and uh, it is one of he asked me to play one where he is processing and then he'll have five shows for next week so today and tomorrow and this weekend he's at a family reunion And then he's having a procedure done next week, so he's taking the week off. And we'll play something that he has picked out each day, and we hope you enjoy it. At this time, I'm going to welcome Michael. Oh, and this is the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. (laughs) I didn't even do that part. It is. And today, Thursday, August the 17th, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here and extending love in Dr. Tim's direction. He's really opened up the space for everybody to offer him support for the work he's uh, he's been doing around family issues, so we definitely hold the space for that. And uh, for the uh, procedure, surgical procedures going through next week, we just hold the space that the uh, the surgeon's hands and heart and mind are all fully aligned with a perfect outcome and uh, perfect function and rocking on. So holding space for you, Dr. Tim, cherish you. And beyond that, uh, let's just check and see if we've got anything happening in the uh, chat room or anything happening in the uh, phone queue. Have you well, got your mute on, sweetie? You could hear me, right? There you go. Well, it was my turn yesterday, so it's your turn today. <laughs> uh, no, it's all quiet. There's nothing going on, and uh, no hands up. We've got several people out there, and welcome. So. Cool. Well, we we started to talk uh, the other day about the uh, another another level of looking into the power person dynamic from the workshop. Excuse me just a second. My computer just skipped. Uh, From the workshop, Codependence to Interdependence. And recognizing that bottom line power person dynamic is, I would offer literally, you know, when you look at how stressed people are today, it is literally running the whole world. It is running most family systems. It is definitely running local systems. It's running churches. It's running governments. 
it's running businesses, families, and it's time to take a step back and wake up from that dynamic running our lives. The, there are three things that happen in order to install a power person dynamic in someone's life. And, and that power person dynamic is usually an interaction, comes from an interaction between a parent and a child, but not always. It can be your big brother, your big sister, or, or even your little brother, your little sister. <laughs> it can be, you know, the neighbor. It can be any number of different people, but generally it is a parent. And the three things that occur to install that power person dynamic is, one, that the power person was not functioning as love, was not literally not functioning as a human being and therefore was not functioning uh, in just and fair behavior. And, you know, there are really two different types of power person dynamics we're going to look at. One of them involves the messages you accepted from an individual that you perceived as an authority or that someone had more control over your life than you did. So that's the second factor. One, they were not functioning as love, not behaving out of just and fair behavior. They had more power over your life than they did. And the third is that, and again, it's usually a child's mind, though not always this can happen with adults as well, but the child perceives the event as survival. And the survival could be psychological, financial, emotional, not just physical survival. So that's a power person, and what we'll call an active power person dynamic. And then there is what we could call, and I'm actually still working on this, working this out to uh, make sure it's accurate. So it's subject to uh, update, subject to uh, um, deeper insight. But the second dynamic that I'm incorporating, this is a new piece of the puzzle in terms of power persons and codependence is what we'll call a, a passive power person dynamic. So it doesn't involve a message received from a person directly, such as we were just talking about with the, you know, the parent type of thing, but it's a message that is activated from within. And oftentimes I think it is probably a, an inherited power person dynamic but it's brought on not from a specific message from that person authority, but a situation. And that situation resonates and or activates an, a limiting conclusion and a behavior that's reached in one's own mind in response to that situation. An example might be, let's say an emergency occurs and the internal response in that individual's mind might be due to inexperience, a lack of knowledge, unpreparedness, but that individual accepts an unreasonable internal conclusion about themselves, such as, 
I'm incompetent in emergencies. So that's going to kind of stand in the same place as an active power person dynamic, but it's passively on oneself. But when under stress, the behaviors and thought disorders involved in it are going to still take over and govern a person's mind. And the thing that determines whether or not, or pardon me, which type of behavior is going to be involved because their behaviors attached to that power person dynamic. And there are basically three behaviors. And the thing that determines which behavior is going to be keyed into the automatic decision system and force behavior. You know, often I hear you say to somebody, why did you do that? I don't know. I didn't want to do that. I tried to resist it. I, I tried to stop myself. from. I couldn't help myself. Sometimes words are saying, I couldn't help myself. This is where a power person dynamic is activated by a level of stress. And remember that, and I think you can search the world over and you won't find this piece of information. You'll hear all kinds of people talking about stress and stress management and and then and then and uh, and you know stop and breathe or count to ten and then and then all all that stuff. But how is stress created? You hear people talking about stressful situations all the time. There is no such thing as a stressful situation. Stress is created by the setting of a goal or the activation of a goal. And when I say activation, I mean there are literally stored within our structure millions of goals, maybe billions, I mean, uncountable numbers of goals that have been generationally implanted, and when they're activated, they take over and create stress. And because those goals don't come from an act of will, they tend to be out of harmony with current circumstances, and they tend to elicit behaviors, feelings, perceptions that are inappropriate to what's going on. Stress is created by the setting or the activation of a goal in the mind. Now, why that's important is once you understand that and you understand the forgiveness process, the reality management process, you always have at your fingertips a way to reduce your stress. And what skips people from decent behavior to outrageous power person behavior is the level of stress that they're under. So again, when there's little or no stress, people will do whatever they did to get along with their power person. When stress starts to build, the automatic decision system will kick into a new level and people will do what they did to resist and survive with their power person. When someone becomes ultra-stressed, then the automatic decision kicks in and forces them to do behaviors that their power person did to them that they hated the most. And my offering is that's what runs the world. And the importance of understanding the forgiveness process in there is that if you manage your mind, this you know, the mind goal management from the workshop getting the stress you need. 
is really important here, the forgiveness reality management worksheet. You notice the core of the forgiveness process is about canceling goals. What is goal? What does canceling the goal do? It reduces your stress. When you reduce your stress by collapse and, and collapse the constructs of the mind, you give access to whole new parts of the mind and you refrain from getting into that ultra stress state where power person dynamics kick in, which are usually pretty crazy to stress invariably across the board. Now, I can remember one workshop we did down in South Florida. It was a man that had been sober. He was an AA person. He'd been sober for about 30 years. He had a very large online AA community. And he invited us to come in and present. So I presented the codependence workshop. And afterward, he said, well, that's, you know, Michael, this is just not correct. So what do you mean? It's absolutely right down the line. No, no. When I was a kid, my father abused me beyond all measure. I was beaten and hit every day of my childhood. And I have never hit my son. I said, well, I congratulate you on the fact that you had enough willpower to refrain from being abusive with your son. But how much time do you spend trying to control your fists? And I mean, I could have bowled him over with a feather because he never thought of the fact that he was constantly, constantly, constantly having to refrain from lashing out at people physically and hitting them, which is exactly what his power person did. It was exactly what his whole power person dynamic was about, was about being hit. So yeah, he had the willpower not to hit, but it was still going on in his mind, even though he had the ability to refrain from acting on it. Now that's a, a nice level of willpower to have or perhaps self-control my offering would be a better option is you keep your stress at manageable levels at lower levels so you don't have to kick into that power person behavior to that level of energy so if you're continuously managing your mind and managing your goals, then that level where you do what your power person did to you that you hated the most never comes up to the level where it can drive behavior. So once you, you know, step into Dealing with power person dynamics, it can be very helpful to name who your power person is in any given situation. And when the stress is up and the chips are down, whose behavior do you replicate in response to that state of ele- elevated stress? That's how you determine in any given situation who your power person is. For most people, they have many power persons, especially if they came up in a culture that was very controlling. And so you can have, let's say, around your financial life, mom might be your power person. Around your romantic relationships, dad might be your power person. When it comes to interacting with friends, big brother might be, or friends and family might be your power person. 
And so recognizing and beginning to deal with that power person dynamic is really a major key in cleaning out the unconscious dynamics in the mind. Now, remember that the human mind is designed to be fueled by love. When a situation occurs or a goal activates something other than love, some form of hostility or fear, then the automatic decision system kicks in and perceptions, decisions, and behaviors are then run or fueled by the non-being mind. And they can only reflect some form of dissociated fear or hostility-based content that is stored in this carbon-based memory system. Remember, if you, if you took your body to a, a chemist, a physicist, a lab, and said, break it down and tell me what it's made of, they'd tell you that the base element of your structure, of all of us, we are carbon-based beings. And you might remember that in the ancient teachings, they talked about this thing that went against us functioning as love, living, living in the mind that we're designed to live in, the mind of love, or in the ancient teachings, and there's nothing religious about this, was called the mind of Christ. You're designed, you and I, I don't care if you're the toughest guy in New York City on the corner block, your mind is designed to function best from love. I don't care if you're the middle of a criminal enterprise. Your mind is designed to function based in love. And if it's not fueled by love, then the option of selecting something different than what's already stored in carbon-based memory is eradicated. So there's this mind of Christ, and obviously if there was something that was going to go against that, it would be good to know where it was located. And you'll notice that we live in a culture that tells us that the Antichrist is somewhere out there. This dude with the red suit, the tail, and the pitchfork is out there to get us. But what is it that goes against you functioning out of the mind of love in you? Just watch where your stress levels go and watch how you're ripped out of the ability to function out of your choice to be loving in any given situation, to function as love. So if you look at a carbon atom and then you remember the number that was assigned to the mind that goes against you living as love was 666. And if you look at a normal carbon atom, yeah, they can alter it, and there are other atomic weights involved. But basically, the basic carbon atom is six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. And that's what, when the stress is up and the chips are down, that's what kicks carbon-based memory into generating perceptions through the automatic decision system. And then come up with all kinds of pseudo-solutions. You know, I've, I've often mentioned the uh, the number one pseudo-solution. That's the one I usually focus on because virtually everybody in the world, I mean, if, if I, I'll often say if I'm doing workshop, let's say there are 100 people in the room, and if I were to ask everybody their age, add up the numbers, and then take five years off of each of their ages, I could reliably predict that. I now have the number of years that the, these people in this room have been trying to figure it out. The how, the why, the what of this, whatever this is happening. 
And my offering is, you will never figure it out. When you start realizing that our genetic history, our interactions with others with genetic histories, you know, when, when you start looking at just in four generations, at least according to the ancient scriptural teachings, four generations are stored within your structure. That's, that means that the thoughts, the feelings, the realities of 31 lives, when you include yourself in the four generations, are stored within your structure. That's carbon-based memory. So every trauma, every drama, every power person dynamic of the previous four generations of your bloodline is stored within you. And when you realize that, and then you're interacting with someone who has four generations in them, even if we just count the four. But of course, where did the previous four generations get their dynamics and the previous four and the previous four? And when you just count back 30 generations, if you do the math, it's there are over 1.6 billion people in each of our genetic structures. So if I've got the energetic patterns of 1.6 billion people interacting with the energetic patterns of the 1.6 billion people in your bloodline, how are we going to figure that out? But here's the beauty. No matter what's going on, no matter how deeply traumatized one is, no matter how deep the dynamics are that are active, you can always, instead of trying to figure it out, forgive it. How, why, what is the booby prize ultimately? So if you get stuck in that, if I could just figure this out, you're stuck in your head. And what happens is people get stuck in this dynamic, give up their human lives to become a non-human thinking. Cycling information in the mind as though that's ever going to happen, ever going to resolve anything. You'll recall, you've often heard me say that in order to heal, you've got to be out of your mind. So that's the number one sort of solution. Number two, winning, fight. If I could just beat them, I mean, take a look in politics today and watch this power person dynamic playing out in the political arena. From one side to the other, it bounces back and forth. The fight, the winning, I just want to beat them. And so when... When humans that are designed to function as love buy into that pseudo-solution, I got to win, then one gives up one's life to become a non-human attacking. Then, of course, there's the Greek solution of forgiving them or myself or the situation, whatever. Remember, never forgive anyone for anything. That whole story is a false Greek idea. If, if you choose to let someone off the hook, please pardon them. That's a nice thing to do, but that's not forgiving. So when you get into that game, then what happens is one gives up their human life love to become a non-human fixing, a non-human doing, a non-human pleasing. 
and they give up the act of present love in themselves for that pseudo solution. The mind says, oh, look, here, we can do this by forgiving them. No, you can't. You can apply forgiveness to the dynamics inside yourself and remove the stress and remove the unconscious power person dynamic. But letting somebody else off the hook will not do that. The next, the number four pseudo-solution, if I could just fix them or myself, which really become, comes down to, you know, the, the thought that was bought up for the power person was, I'm not good enough, I'm broken, or they're broken. So if one gives into that pseudo-solution, i got to fix myself or forgive them, and you watch a person who do serial relationships one after another after another, where the project, as opposed to being living as love in the relationship, the project becomes fixing the partner. So when you get into that fixing game, it's, it, it's related to control. And to give that one up, one becomes a non-human pressuring The next pseudo-solution is if I could just find someone to love or someone that, and now you get a non-human faking because you can't love anybody. Nobody has ever loved you. Nobody will ever love you. You've never loved anyone. You'll notice that what happens when people say they fall out of love, what happened? This person stopped doing things that I approved of. They violated goals I held for them and stopped doing what I approve of, or pardon me, what, what I was approving of them doing, and now I never want to see them again. Do you think that was a love relationship to begin with? No. It's a pseudo-solution. It's approval. Masquerading is love. And so that masquerade becomes a non-human faking. You look, you know, if you listen to our Healing Through Relationships workshop, there's a segment in there where I talk about how, you know, this person having bought the idea from their power person that they were broken, that there was something wrong with them, enters into a relationship with the thought, looking for what does this person want me to be? I know I'm not worth anything, so what do I need to be? What do I need to do in order to have them love me, i.e. approve of me? And so now one tries to be something that they're not, and they become a non-human faking. Closely related to those last two is if I could just control everything and everyone. Then I could be safe. Then life would be okay. That's another one of the pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind. And so if one adapts that pseudo-solution, they become a non-human controlling. The next pseudo-solution is to strain and struggle to make up for a non-being life. You know, you've got to get enough stuff to look good. People validate me then, I know, okay, that that message that I was given by my power person is false and that I'm not broken. And for someone who engages in that one, 
then they become a non-human having and a non-human getting. Their lives are always about getting more stuff because then that proves that they're not broken. So trying to make up for a non-being life, it's a difficult way to live. And again, it will never solve the problem. The next pseudo-solution, number eight, is if I just could put my pain deeply enough into my brain's image of them, you know, whoever I'm blaming, if I could just convince them that they're the problem in my life, then everything would be okay. And to do that, again, one gives up one's human life, love, to become a non-human blaming. You know, we've talked oftentimes about how by the age of four in this culture, most people are card-carrying members of the one world universal religion to blame. It's all somebody else's fault. The next pseudo-solution, about the nine of them now, is to take the easy way. Just stay on autopilot and do the behaviors of the past. Again, in order to engage in that pseudo-solution, one gives up their human life, their experience of themselves as love, to become a non-human suffering and a non-human victim. Number 10 pseudo-solution, it's just this addiction to being right. And when playing out of that, one never suspects self. It's always out there. And there comes the desire to prove that I'm not responsible for this. It's somebody else's fault. See, I'm right about Once again... To do this, one gives up their human lives, love, to become a non-human convincing. The next pseudo-solution, number 11, is to obfuscate, to distract, confuse, switch issues. A very popular you know, form of that, you see it very strongly in the political world today, is, well, you did it too. Well, look, this politician committed crimes. Well, so did that one. Yeah, well, you know, if you're in a relationship where that's the game you play, it's time to stop and say, okay, so I got it. I did something, you did something. But right now, let's pick one and talk about that instead of playing this tit for tat so we can actually have the hard conversation of cleaning up whatever the dynamic is. So if we're going to talk about when I did it, okay, so let's do that. Or we're going to talk about when you did it, let's do that. But let's not confuse them. If if one buys into this pseudo-solution, this obfuscate, just obfuscate, distract, confuse, switch issues, they end up giving up their human lives and become a non-human confusing. Like just stick up a, you know, kick up a whole stink, a whole mess, and then nobody will be able to figure out what the, where the core of the issue is. Distraction. You see that, you know, in a lot of the political stuff going on right now. You know, a crime has clearly been committed, but we'll talk about a thousand other things and get people so discombobulated and so confused that they won't be able to even think about what the crime was in the first place. 
So to give up this confusing, uh, convincing, this victimhood, this blaming, this getting, this having, this stuff, this controlling. And then the final pseudo-solution we're going to talk about is to leave, to escape, to lie to yourself, to pretend, oh, I'm not angry, I'm not afraid, and or the alternative to leaving is to get rid of them. And once again, one, you know, you're constantly on the go, moving from place to place, from relationship to relationship. So one who does that gives up their experience of themselves as love to become a non-human, escaping, a non-human, leaving. So these are the pseudo-solutions, and it can be really helpful if you were brought up in a codependent home to recognize what pseudo-solutions played out by your power person because they'll tend to be the very ones that you'll play out yourself in your life. So identifying that can be a really key and important part of the healing process. And so that's another chunk of information about the power person dynamic. And Miss Jeannie, I'm just wondering if we've got anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room that we might want to move the conversation in the direction of questions. Great. Cool. And before I turn Susan's microphone on, um, just remind everybody in the chat room we have Yinka. And so remind everybody that we have the Course of Miracles this afternoon. The link is in the show for today in the notes. And Bob is back with 3.30 us Eastern time. He was, yeah. Bob had had a reaction to a tick bite, and he's doing all better. And said thank you oh, for good. the prayers and the concern. Yeah. So I am going to turn Susan's microphone on, and I hope this is working because Aria's uh, tablet went down and my computer went down, and it's just sitting here spinning, so I am not sure... It shows that I'm connected, but... Okay, let's try it and see what happens. All right, let me see if I can switch. I turned my phone over to uh, a hotspot so she could connect. So I'm going to connect my computer to it as well so that I can operate the switchboard here properly. I don't know what happened to the regular Internet. Technology. I know. We'll see if this allows me to turn Susan's mic on. Hmm. Now, this has been a week of technical issues. (laughs) Yes, it has. No? Hmm. Be able to see Susan, but you can't turn her mic on. Well, it's just I clicked it, and it's just spinning and spinning. Even though I've connected now to my uh, phone, hmm. well, 
Thank you for your patience, Susan. Yeah, for sure. Connection timed out. Hold on. Susan just texted me a heart. totally lost the swivel. It's our internet connection. It's okay, my phone, my uh, my computer just connected. It just went in and connected, so maybe whatever was going on with the connections repaired itself. Yeah. The computer just won't connect. It will not. It says server not found. It's out internet. Because hmm. mine, my internet was out, but it just came on. It just clicked in and connected. Apologies, everybody. I don't have it. <laughs> Strange. So, I guess just keep talking unless, Susan, you want to text me a question or something. Um I can reboot the uh, modem over here. Well, when we look at, I'll go on with just a few of the thoughts around this idea of the pseudo-solutions. When we look at these pseudo-solutions, Behind it, there's always a goal driving the mind. 
Now, the mind does not engage in any kind of behavior that is not related to a goal. And so the goal becomes the key way into accessing the hidden parts of the mind, uncovering, bringing to the presence of love the hidden parts of the mind, and by so doing, the dynamics, the, the untoward dynamics that have been absorbed from and or created in the presence of a power person dynamic begin to dissolve. And so to start to look in every situation at the goals involved becomes a major key to the healing process. So when I determine who my who the person is that I'm projecting this reality on, this pained construct of my mind, and I've looked at the dynamics that involve my power person dynamics and specifically who my power person is in this in this given situation, then I'll probably have a better chance of being able to determine the exact goal and the motivation behind the goal that's driving my pain perception. And that's a critical component of the healing process. So when I think about this situation that I'm working on, this whole perceptual construct, this whole painful experience is a result of fear and or hostility resonated by this event or my goal for someone. What, what is it that I want this someone to do? So to clarify what your goal is, ask yourself the question. In this situation, if I were to state the ideal outcome, it would be and to make sure that you state it in terms of what it is that you want. You know, let's say in a situation where your your perception is you're being ignored, the goal wouldn't be I want them to stop ignoring me because energetically that's an invitation for ignoring you to continue. You want to train your mind to move in the direction of what it is you want from the situation. So if I've got someone that's ignoring me, my goal would be that I want them to be there fully paying attention to me. And then what's the motivation behind that? Well, that's so that, you know, I can feel valuable. That might be the dynamic that's going on, the motivation behind it. Or another example, you know, the, what would the ideal, always look at stating the ideal outcome, what you want from the situation. And sometimes that can be a real challenge to disconnect from all the times we said, oh, well, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. No, we don't want that. I mean, you listen. I, I spend a lot of time when I'm out, you know, when I'm in an airport or what have you, or in a store and listening to conversations of parents that have with children. And I would say 90% of them are about, don't touch that. We don't want you to do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. And the whole focus on that, 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 and that. And they wonder why the child does exactly the that that they're talking about because that's what's getting all of the energy. So shifting the mind into recognizing what it is that I do want. So what would the ideal, you know, 
the goal might be something, let's say it's in a relationship, I want that person to give up all of their autonomy and be subservient so that I can be in control. Ah, now start doing some work around being controlled. That's sort of solution of being in control. Do you feel like someone's not listening? Oh, if only they would listen so that I can feel heard. I just want them to cooperate so the job could get done. In each case, looking at what it is that you want. So when you identify that goal, then you can root out and identify the deeper dynamics that you need to be aware of. The more precise the identification of the goal is, the deeper the healing will be. Michael? Yes, sweetie. Okay, I am back on now. And uh, there was also a question in the chat room. Yinka says, as Michael was speaking, I realize I do flick between each of these pseudo-solutions. When one doesn't work, I flick to the other one. How can that pattern be broken? You want to answer that? And I'll click on Susan. Yes. Let me create a visual for you, Yinka. We're in an intensive at Heartland. And I've done this probably 20 times so far in this intensive. I'll pick up my marker, and there'll be a certain look on my face, and everybody will know exactly what I'm about to say, and everybody will start to laugh because I'm going to turn to the board, and I'm going to write all of the above. You dig out every tool that you've got. And so when you recognize, and one of the reasons for understanding these pseudo-solutions is to recognize they'll never work, and so what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to the tools that do work. I'm going to step into forgiveness. I'm going to step into doing the, a power person machine. I'm going to step into doing the commitment uh, to myself in the mirror or to this person that I've got this conflict going on with. I'm going to, you know, each and every one of the tools will be I'm going to do a worksheet or maybe I'm going to do a hundred worksheets around this issue. So that fits and makes sense. Every tool you've got and of course one of the key ones is breathe and pen to the paper on the reality management worksheet. Awesome. So I've got Susan's microphone on now. All right. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Hello, you two. Man, oh, man. Okay. Great talk, Michael. I wanted to ask you, the part of the pattern that Tim Hayes uses of making up another story to prove just seems to go right with, alongside the pseudo-solution of being right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the brain is so wily, and the desire to to get what we want, I speak for myself, is so huge. It's just the most That's why canceling thing. that goal is so important. I know, but then you find another little teeny goal that's a little different. You, <laughs> you tantalize yourself all over again. You think, oh, maybe I can have what I want after all. I just adjust this, mm-hmm. and maybe if I do this, and I'm just watching the... I'm just watching things. Jeannie, I wanted to say, your little app, the forgiveness app, is fantastic now. I got up this morning and I thought, 
okay, get to work. And I was going to start writing, and instead I pulled out your app, and bingo, 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 three very closely related wake-up sheets right away. And it's as if doing those and the little options of asking a question or having something pop up, it's just the best. I don't know how you did that. And I'm going to – I've already – sent it to one a nephew of mine I told you about, but I'm going to spread it around. I wish you could make money from it because paying $2 mm-hmm. for it is, is nothing. And I know you said it's complicated and you, you can't set that up easily, right? Well, what it is is if we charge, then both Apple and Google get a part of what we charge and the payments have to go through them so they control payments. Just like if you go to the app store and you buy an app, then Mm -hmm. whatever your store is, whether it's Google or or iPhone or Apple, um, they control the money coming in and they get their portion and then they send you the rest. And it just, um, you know, and then they go into sending you a 1099 at the end of the year for your income and, you know, it's just, Got so many aspects to it. It would, you know, oh. it'd be nice for sure. <laughs> well, uh, that no. sounds. Horrible. I mean, they wouldn't even let me. Apple wouldn't even let me put a donation button. You know, where the app would redirect you to the website to make a donation. They wouldn't even allow that. Google would, but Apple would not. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh. They become they become the interloper where they get a percentage of everything you do. <laughs> well, even yeah. if they did, my feeling is okay. So charge three ninety nine, charge seven dollars. People are with something like this. I mean, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just saying this is precious. It's so easy to use, and you get a PDF at the end uh, that you and have. So is if it's working right. It will, if you put in, like, George is the object of your attention, then later in the app when it talks about your object of attention, it will automatically put their name in so that you know what you were talking about if you haven't lost it. Jeannie, how did you do that? And you can't tell (laughs) it probably, but it... (laughs) Well, I have an awesome tech person who is in India, and yeah. when I didn't understand something, he did. And, you know, I'd have to get mm-hmm. up at 4 or 5 in the morning to work with him because of our time difference. But, um, right. you know, he actually just sent me a note the other day and said, hey, how's things going? Because I haven't asked him to fix something lately. <laughs> oh, well, this was what pretty I good shape. I failed. Yes, I, fa- I was able to sail right through it. Nothing blocked continuing or typing or I talk myself into it. I mean, I use a little microphone on the longer answers. You know, what are your thoughts? Blah, 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 blah. It'll take it all. It's amazing. It's just the best. It's like a little traveling journal because, you know, in a regular wake-up sheet, you've got a line or two to put something. If you want to say more, I don't know if there's a limit. I haven't run up against it, and I haven't been extravagant about yakking into each section, but I, I, it is fantastic, and I've only been using the top one. I forget what it is, you know, which one it is, but 
and I have to say, and this is a true testimonial, I did those worksheets, and I've been very sort of up and down and sideways. And then today I was about to start work, and our Michael came to me crying. He said, my dog, you've got to come and see my dog. Something's wrong with my dog. Well, he had something with his hindquarters. He was semi-paralyzed and wasn't doing his business, and he was listless. And Michael doesn't have a red scent. And he said, I can't afford a vet. And I said, Michael, animals are a top priority. Just don't think about that. Let's. So we took him to one emergency vet. And I love these people, but they weren't open. So we took him to another one. And here's Michael beside me in total hysteria. And I said, could you do it yourself? Because I had a busy day. And he said, I can't, I can't. And I thought, okay, breathe. I used all the tools, Michael. Breathe, allow, be curious. And um, I've had very complicated feelings, as you know, about Michael, which have been ironing themselves out thanks to the tools. It's just this challenge would never have been met on this level without these tools. So I just wanted to thank you for the tools and particularly this morning, I have a little habit of doing the New York Times spelling bee very early in the morning after I've done my little beginning exercises. And I thought to myself, no, you've got to do wake-up sheets. No, I don't want to do my spelling bee. Okay, so <laughs> your, uh, your wake-up sheet won out, Jeannie. And it was All right. just <laughs> All right. awesome. Yeah, I, I use and it also has as a, yeah. Go ahead. It has the um, ability that any page that you're on, if you get stuck or have a question, you can just click ask a question and do it right there on yep. the app, and then keep going. And there is a game if you introduce it to you know another person. There's a game on there, Dragons and Klingons, and it's the things that we yeah. drag on and cling on to and and how to get past mm-hmm. that. So there's a lot of options. And then there's things that will, you know, like you can access their schedule, you can access uh, news, um, you can click on more, you can do the commitments. They're all right there. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, well, I haven't it is even pretty cool. those. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge adjunct to your work. I trust you have a link on your website to it, right? Yeah, and I put the I put the link in there for the notes today too. If you go to that link, there's actually a video, um, and Yinka's actually is the one that um, prompted us to do that. So we created a YouTube video of instructions of how to navigate the app and how to navigate the website. So that's yeah, so you can get that. Oh my God, that's amazing! Thank you, Yinka. Yeah. So that's it. the dog. I think is going to be all right. He's under anesthesia at the moment. He's having what looks like a uh, a lesion of some sort or a huge boil or something removed from near his. Michael uses an un, unsavory word for it, but anyway, you know what I mean. And we're going to pick him up later. So. Well, hold the space that the dog does well. And Michael, too. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, we, we and, found him a little job, and he went to the job. I, he said, I can't play my, I can't do the job. And I said, this is your first day on the job, and we don't get the dog till later. Take a deep breath, get in my car, and drive over there, and you sing your guts out. And he said, okay, and he did. <laughs> He's doing it right now. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you, and thanks for pointing out that, uh, you know, the reminder, you know, on the right-hand side of the worksheet that once one cancels the goal, to also cancel the uh, the goal to be right. That is one of the things that keeps the mind in this cycle of I'm going to make up another story, another story out of these same brain cells. It's like just to, to come to the point where I'm ready to be finished with constructs of my mind that have that particular quality. And so yeah. always hand in hand with the uh, with the primary goal to let go of the need to be right and make up another story. It's like, you know, that's just the habit mind. And it's time there's a there's one line in the, the uh, what was called the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic that can be properly intran- translated as get us out of our habit mind. Yeah. And get get free of the mind just replicating, replicating, replicating and being continuously on guard for I'm going to keep upgrading my thought system to higher and higher levels connected to love rather than getting lost in the drone and noise of drama and trauma. Mm-hmm. Changing habits. It's powerful. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Sweet. that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you. All right, young lady. You have a blessed one. We appreciate you. Thank We appreciate you, too. All right. Okay, blessings. Thank you. And we're down to the last minute or two, and so I'll just uh, we'll put out the thought one more time that if you'd like to join us, there is a Zoom link. I'm sure Jeannie's already put it in the notes for today. And if you go to our website, whyagain.org, then you can uh, click the look under events, and you'll see the Course in Miracles uh, study group that's happening through uh, the book club, Hear My Voice Book Club. It's at 3.30 this afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time. It's 8.30 in London, England, where the book club meets, but uh, 3.30 here. So come and join us, and uh, we're going to take the next step in Course in Miracles. And beyond that, uh, if you're not using the app, go to your app store, whatever you know type of phone you have, Type in the words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, one word, Aramaic, A-R-A-M-A-I-C. And by the time you type that, you'll see that red heart come up, and uh, that will allow you to download the app free. It's very private, specifically, uh, very de- you know consciously set up so that it requires zero, next to zero permissions. It actually requires only one, and that is for your phone to be able to use the Internet to use on the app. Uh, otherwise, unless you print something, uh, if you print, then it, it asks for permission to print to your hard drive too. But otherwise, that's it. And so we thank you for joining us and invite you to have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. And blessings. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 